Hello to everyone out there listening in the world today. I'm Sam Diebler. That's Caleb Woodson. This is the Two Man Break Podcast. Back at it again. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the NBA offseason. And then we're going to preview the NBA season. Now, today... I'm joined by, obviously, I said it, Caleb Woodson. Caleb, how you doing? I'm doing very good. It's great to be here. It's getting cold outside this time oh, of year. Getting cold, and we're getting ready for some basketball, man. It's only been a couple months, but feels like a long time. I want to see some guys back out on the court here. But what we're going to do, we're going to just jump right into it. Me and Caleb have a few teams that we're going to talk about their moves in the offseason and what we loved about them. And then we're going to take a few teams that... We didn't like what they did in the offseason, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw it to Caleb first, and Caleb, why don't you tell me about your first team that you really liked what they did in the offseason? So I really like what the Los Angeles Lakers were able to do this offseason. When we look at who they signed, they brought in a veteran in uh, in Marc Gasol. This guy is a champion. Uh, He's been on a lot of great teams, and he's played with a lot, uh, sorry, played for a lot of good coaches. Marc Gasol, I think will fill, like we said before, he's going to fill that JaVale McGee role. He's going to play that 18 to 20 minutes, and he's going to give the Lakers a lot of energy at the five. I also like the acquisition of Montrezl Harrell and Wesley Matthews. These are two other guys that are excellent role players. Montrezl Harrell, I think, was in the running or maybe won, or what was it? He won the sixth man of the year. Won the sixth sixth man of the year award, so that's a big acquisition for the Lakers. I really like some of the moves they made. I mean, not even with those guys. You got Dennis Schroeder too, coming over from OKC, who he's he says he wants to start, which I can see that being an issue because I don't think they want to start him. I think they're going to try to do what they did last year, which was have just LeBron be the point guard and have like KCP and whoever and probably Wes Matthews start next to him. But let's say you have Schroeder starting, coming off the bench, um, wherever. He's going to give you a 17-18 a game. Montrezl Harrell. Probably going to get you 15, 16, 17 points a game, plus probably eight, nine rebounds. And Marcus Saul, his numbers probably aren't going to be great, but his impact will. Um, yeah, I was a really big fan of what they did. Well, and with Schroeder, the thing, the thing I like what the Lakers did, they realized Danny Green's time was up. Uh, they knew they could package something with Danny to another team who really needed shooting, which ended up being Philadelphia. So Danny Green kind of reached his point. We saw in the playoffs he really fell off. And it was a great move to get Schroeder because that's somebody they need desperately at the point guard position since losing Rajon Rondo. Right, and then Danny Green goes to someone we're going to talk about, goes to a team we're going to talk about later. You said the Sixers um, traded; they traded him to OKC to get Schroeder in a package. I mean, OKC. I mean, we're not going to talk about OKC today because they just got a bunch of picks. But Sam Presti is just wheeling and dealing. It's very impressive. It's a lot like what Boston did a couple years ago. Uh, I think people are looking at that and, and looking at the talent that Boston has and saying, how can we replicate that? OKC's definitely taking some notes there. Yeah. So we're not going to get into all the moves they made because that would probably be an entire podcast. But yeah, I mean, like like you said, the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't even, I thought it would be a good offseason if they brought everyone back. Flaws and all. I really did. I was like, okay, maybe they're going to get, maybe they'll pick up someone with their mid-level. But sh- I mean, Rob Palinka not sitting back on his laurels, not resting on him. He goes out and he reloads the team and they fit and it fits really well around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think what's interesting with Schroeder, uh, there was a lot of talk and from what I've heard, uh, this was already kind of set in stone. I guess earlier in the season, they were kind of talking to Schroeder like, look, we're, we're going to try to put together a package to get here. And they got the deal done. I mean, I mean, just really good off season additions for the defending champions, which usually doesn't happen that much. Uh, you can go on to your next team, man. <laughs> I really also like 
what the Atlanta Hawks were able to do. Now, first we're going to start off with their NBA draft move in selecting Onyeka Okungwu. This guy is going to be an immediate impact for the Atlanta Hawks. This is a guy who's a high-energy guy. He's going to get a lot of rebounds, and I think he's going to be great alongside Trey Young and a guy who can learn as well. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we had on our first podcast, the draft podcast, I talked about Onyeka Okungwu. He was one of my favorite guys in that draft. Just a guy that, obviously said high energy, but he has some skill. He, I mean, he had a really nice post game, could pass, good defender. Uh, one question I have for that is, does that move make someone like John Collins an expendable? Because um, I don't think they're going to be able to move Clint Capella, or at least they really want Clint Capella, because Clint Capella fits such a need for them. The rim protecting, the rim runner, the defense, the rebounding. What does that make John Collins? Maybe a trade chip. But you can, what else did Atlanta do? I know we had a really, me and you were both a huge fan of what they did. So one thing that Atlanta, and I, I think everyone kind of recognized this, that they lacked last season was perimeter defense. Uh, they kind of got exposed in that category. Now Trey Young, he's going to put up a lot of points, but their problem was how can we stop the opposing guards from scoring on us? And what they did with that is they went outside Rajon Rondo, and they also picked up Chris Dunn. These are two of the best perimeter defenders in the league. That's a huge upgrade for that team. I mean, especially Chris Dunn, who I've always been a fan of, even though I knew his offensive game wasn't probably ever going to be quite where it needed to be for him to be a starting level guard. Uh, Rajon Rondo, I think his defense when he wants it, when he wants to play it, is very good. We saw him against all those guards in the West last uh, last playoffs and then in the finals against the Heat. But I also think Rondo will be the best backup point guard that Trey Young's ever had with him. He, it's a guy that Trey Young doesn't have to play 38 minutes a game anymore. Uh, he can even play with Rajon Rondo, go off the ball, come around screens. That's going to be a scary sight for some defenses. So I think in that regard, Rajon Rondo is also a really good upgrade from what they had. And if anything, the playoffs is going to hold true. Um, can Rajon Rondo knock down the outside shots? And if he can, he's going to be on the court a lot for the Hawks. Well, this last playoffs, we saw Rondo's improvements from the three-point range. He was able to step out maybe three or four times a game and, and make 40 or 50% of those. That was a huge boost for the Lakers' offense. Yeah, especially with a Lakers' offense that didn't really have anyone like that consistently. Um, and he bailed him out a few times in the playoffs, made some big shots. Also had some great steals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he can give, and he's getting a, he's getting a nice contract, it, but it's not an overwhelming one for the Hawks. It's two years, I think 15 mil. I mean, that's a good that's a good price to pay for a solid veteran backup point guard. But they're not done yet. Right, and we knew, we knew coming in that Trey Young had a lot of dog in him. You know, coming out of Oklahoma, Big 12, big name. Rajon Rondo is going to elevate that even more. 100%. Um, but they got they got a couple more moves in there, Caleb, and I think these are the two moves that I really am excited for them. Yeah. So when we look at Atlanta last year, what was another thing they struggled with was was shooting. Yeah. Uh, they, they really struggled from the three-point line. They didn't have a lot of guys who could create their own shot other than Trey. Well, look what they did. They went out and did a sign-and-trade, picked up Danilo Gallinari. This is a guy who's been a good shooter his whole career. He knocks down threes. He steps outside. He can make some things happen. Not only that, Bogdan Bogdanovich. We all thought he was going to Milwaukee, and then what happened? Something got messed up there. You know, the management in Milwaukee, they didn't finalize it. So what happened was there was a bidding war, and who do you know, Atlanta gets him off that off sheet. Big signing for the Hawks. I love what they got with Bogdanovich. I mean, Gallinari, 
I think I kind of was even like when they signed Gallinari, I was like, okay, makes sense. He's he fits a need. He can be their second leading scorer in the East. I mean, he's going to be even better. Um, but when they got Bogdan Bogdanovich, I was like, okay, that's a backcourt right there. Because Bogdan Bogdanovich is one of the most underrated players in the entire league. He was Sacramento's either best or second best player last year. He can create his own shot. He can pass. He is a better defender than people give him credit for. He can hit the outside shot. Um, perfect next to Trey Young. And now they're starting lineup. They can do a bunch of different things. Maybe they go big with Collins and, and, and uh, Capella. Maybe they go smaller and start Hunter and Gallinari in the, at the three and the four. Uh, maybe they can slot Chris Dunn in there and play some really good defense. But Bogdanovich and Gallinari, you get shooting, craftiness, playmaking. Uh, with Gallinari, you get playoff experience. That's huge. Well, and I think one thing we left off that list is IQ. These are guys that are near the age of 30, if older. They've been in the league. They're vets at this point. They've established spots in the league. Atlanta needs guys like that. they got four solid, good players in the NBA. Atlanta Hawks, watch out for them. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they made 4-5 seed. I mean, genuinely, as long as everyone stays healthy. I don't know if, my again, I'm with the one question, I don't know if they keep Collins. I think, I think right now... You know, there's been a couple teams in the discussion as a, as a trade destination. I think Sacramento is one that's really going to try to go to Collins because you got Bagley. If he's healthy, then you could play alongside Collins. That would be an interesting pair there. No, definitely. Two, one of the most athletic front courts in the NBA. Um, like you, we said before the pod, even Dallas would be a great fit, and I know you'd probably really like that, a guy that can score and uh, rebound. I think that would definitely be an upgrade from Dwight Powell. For sure. I mean, anyone in their front court besides Porzingis, basically. Um, so that was the Hawks. Uh, obviously, I think for me, I think they're probably, for both of us, one of the big winners. Um, but for me, the couple of teams that I really thought had a really good offseason, and my two are not as much under the radar, are kind of under the radar a little bit more. But when the Sixers on draft night, I believe it was, they traded Seth Curry for, uh, they traded Josh Richardson to the Mavericks for Seth Curry in a move that benefits both sides. But the Sixers, if they're going to make the Simmons and Bede thing work, it's going to be with this team. They have a guy in Seth Curry who is basically what J.J. Redick was a couple years ago for them, but he is a better one defender, a two ball handler, and a playmaker. He could, I see Seth Curry, he could average 18 a game really good shooting percentages. At the very least, he's going to spread the floor. Like, he's probably, I think Seth Curry, top five shooter in the NBA. I mean, he was last year at the very least. Seth Curry uh, is a rising player in the league. Um, Younger brother of Steph Curry, we all know this. uh, Seth Curry for Dallas, of course, my favorite team. He was probably our third best scorer, I think, behind Porzingis. Like you said, he was given 18 to 20 a game. And you're right. If Philly, you know, now that they have now that they have a hold of him, if they can't make it work with this, then you have to blow it up completely. I agree. Um, but also, it didn't just stop at Seth Curry. That would have been a huge addition. But they they got Tyrese Maxey in the draft, who I liked, score microwave guy, shoot outside. I mean, you kind of need like guys like that in the playoffs. Um, Danny Green, who I know everyone makes fun of him, and he's probably on the downswing. But at the very least, this guy is a good defender who can hit about 36% of his threes. I mean, and he doesn't need the ball. And he's a good locker room guy. That matters. That does matter. And for a team that needs leadership, 
because Simmons and Embiid aren't exactly the leaders here. They haven't shown themselves to be. Danny Green was a championship pedigree who's made big shots in the playoffs before, guarded the best of uh, other teams' best player. And that matters. It does. And, you know, the, and he's not going to, at the very least, what's the worst case scenario with Danny Green? You put him on the bench and he's a great locker room guy. Right. You have him there. And, and like you said, the thing you love about Danny Green, he does his job and he shows up and he does it well. Those are the things you want in a guy. I don't want to leave this out. Al Horford. The Sixers managed to get rid of that contract. It was just such it was such a great move for the organization. You knew they couldn't play along you knew he couldn't play alongside Embiid. Mm-hmm. And so for them to get rid of that and, and find a destination for Al Horford, that really opened up all these other moves that they were able to make. You son of a gun, I was just about to say it. That was what made this offseason for them better. You got you got out from under that. And they replaced it with Dwight Howard, who can be, is unlike Al Horford, show, had a ascension last season from like where he was. This is a guy that's going to be your backup center, 15 to 18 minutes a game, maybe, if that. But what it's really important is that, let's say Joel Embiid goes down with injury, which wouldn't be surprising. Dwight Howard can be a spot starter. Dwight Howard can play 25, 30 minutes a game still, get you a double-double with two blocks. That matters in the NBA, especially with this weird offseason. I think depth is going to be a huge thing in the NDA this year uh, with COVID still on the prowl. Um, I don't know why I said on the prowl, but like it's just it's that kind of thing. You, the same thing in the NFL. We've seen it. Depth matters so much because some of your top guys are going to go out with COVID for a few weeks. That's just what's going to happen. Well, and I, I think in this upcoming season, you're going to see a lot of two-way deals. Uh, deals that make guys available and then not available on the fly. You're going to, and like you said, with COVID... When you have a guy go down, you need to have this upcoming season, you need to have two or three guys ready that are ready just to call up. Whether the G League's going on or not, make sure you got guys that are ready to play. Yeah. I mean it's I mean, look at the Hawks even. They signed both Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo. You just don't know. Uh but like so not only did the going back to the Sixers, they got Dwight Howard. Um, they got rid of Al Horford's contract. They also picked up Terrence Ferguson who I know didn't have has had a couple rough seasons, but he has all the athleticism, he has a decent shooting stroke, and he played some decent defense for the majority of his career. I mean, he's dirt cheap. I, I mean, that can't go... I mean, the worst again, worst-case scenario for him, he rides the bench, but that's not a bad guy to ride the bench. Well, and that's why you got Seth Curry. You know, if, if Ferguson and Green don't work out very well, you've still got Seth right there. That's Those are great three guys in an offseason to acquire, especially if you're the sixth. So now all of a sudden you have... Simmons, Curry, Harris, uh, they probably can start Danny Green, and Bede. That's a really good starting five in the East. And an experienced team as well. I would not be surprised if they made it work this year. They're my dark horse out of the East. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for the 76ers, man. I, maybe it's the mistake. Maybe it's my mistake, but they have so much talent. And now the team works better. And now they have an actual head coach that's, like, decorated and people will respect. Well, and let's not forget, Doc, he's done a lot of good things with a lot of good big men. Embiid, I feel like this is his next big project. I'd be curious to see what Doc Rivers does with Joel Embiid. It's 100% an Embiid move to bring in Rivers. But, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of their offseason right there. I mean, so, but my next team that I really liked their moves was the, oops, hold on, I lost my, oh yeah, the Phoenix Suns. 
I mean, just the one move, basically. Chris Paul. I mean, even if you're good for a year or two with Chris Paul, the his mentality, his leadership, his impact on the team, on Devin Booker, on DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, the organization as a whole, which has been lost since Steve Nash has left, is amazing. Chris Paul will completely change this organization's mindset, will completely change Devin Booker's mindset, will install a culture of winning and discipline and accountability, which is something this team hasn't had. And with the momentum the team built last year in the bubble, they come back, you add Chris Paul, you add a good, well, I think was a good pick in Jalen Smith in the draft. You have youth, but now you have the dog. You have the veteran, you have the alpha, the guy that's going to come in and shift your culture. I don't think, and even if it's in the West, Devin Booker might stay now. Devin Booker probably doesn't want out now. Phoenix has bought themselves some time at the very least. Well, in two things on that, the first thing I want to mention about Paul and Booker, these guys are now interchangeable at the one and two spot. We're going to see Phoenix really try to do what Houston accomplished a couple years back when they got into the feuds with Gold State and, and those type of things. Chris Paul could play a lot of two. We've seen Booker play the one. Those guys are going to be interchangeable. Second of all, I like what you brought up about Devin Booker. The Suns are showing him right now. They are invested in his future, and they're willing to surround talent around him to win. Whether that's now or in the future, they're doing what they have to do to keep him in town. I'm so glad you said that because that's basically why it's a good move. At the very least, the organization is showing that, showing Devin Booker that they're willing to give him someone. They are willing to be aggressive and go out and get that. Phoenix cannot afford as an organization to lose Devin Booker. No. They can't afford to go back to square one. They just can't. They are in a position now for the first time since like 2010. Their, their direction's up. They have momentum. They have to take advantage of this, and they did it. They capitalized. They got Chris Paul. That's huge. Well, and it's a lot similar to the situation we saw with Paul George and in Indiana back when you know that move was made. Um, you know, Paul George wanted out. There wasn't a lot left in Indiana since they had done some good things. And Devin Booker, they they haven't really accomplished much. But you got to think, like we said, surround him with stuff so he'll stay there. You don't want to see him leave or ask for a trade. I mean, honorable mention for me. I just had to shout this out. My New York Knicks which weird to be a New York Knicks fan in Kansas, but my New York Knicks, Obi Toppin in the draft, they got a couple good veterans, might resemble an NBA team this year. Here's hoping. I mean, that's I would take 25 wins. Is that too much to ask? Well, and you got to think, you got you got a young core now. Yeah. You guys haven't had that in a decade. Now you have a young core between Barrett, Toppin, and Robinson, three guys you can build around for the future. Just wish they had gotten a point guard. That's why they weren't in my top two. All right, we're going to move on to the teams we didn't think had a great offseason, and trust us, there's more than a few. Caleb, go. I really did not like what Detroit did this offseason. I think when we look at the roster makeup, the way it sits, I think they have at least four or five centers on this team, two notable ones being Mason Plumley and Jaleel Okafor. And it's not that I dislike those players. I'm just not sure what kind of style or how those guys are going to fit in with that organization. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I also look at some of the moves they made. They had a promising guard in Luke Kennard, who I think a guy who was really starting to show that he could score the ball, moved him. 
Their best perimeter defender in Bruce Brown moved him away. And then you pick up a a bad contract in Trevor Reza, a guy who's almost 38, I think. And this is a guy who's making over $10 million a year. The direction for the Pistons is uncertain, and we really don't know what they're going to do with what they have. I think my biggest problem with what they did was, I mean, like you said, they traded away Brown and Kennard, who are both young. And so it's not like they, like, why are you trading those guys away? They're cheap. They're young. They're going to play for you. But my biggest problem was if they bring in all this size, they draft Isaiah Stewart, they bring in Jalil Okafor, Mason Plumlee, do all that. If you wanted size, why not try to keep Christian Wood? who was scoring 20 a game at the end of last year, who was still young, who had all this upside, who would fit awesomely with Blake Griffin. Why are you trading him to just get three guys that aren't going to amount to what he can do? Well, then not only do you lose Christian Wood, you're allowing him to go to an already good team in Houston. It's not like you just lost Christian Wood. You lost him to a good team who's going to possibly get better now with Christian Wood. I mean... You're, I mean, you're looking at the Rockets with what happened here. You got Boogie Cousins, you got Christian Wood, John Wall, and I think Harden, he's either in or out. I don't know. People are saying he's out, but still, you don't let Christian Wood walk to Houston. I mean, like, I just, there's nothing they, they did besides drafting Killian Hayes that I liked. And even Killian, and Killian Hayes doesn't move the needle for me. He's a guard that can't shoot or dribble really with his, or pass with his right hand. He's a really bad, he's just, a, he is just so left-hand dominant, and as a guard, that just doesn't work. Well, and, and, we, and we don't really know the, the details of this whole Angelo thing. I mean, as far as we know, he's going to end up in the G League. We just don't know, and, and that could be a publicity stunt, we just don't know, but Detroit's really got to settle down and try to figure things out because the direction of the team is really up in the air. I don't I just, and they have a good coach who's not going to want to coach this team. And they're going to trade Derrick Rose, probably. They're going to try to get rid of Blake Griffin. I mean, if you're going to tank, don't take on bad contracts. And don't trade away your young guys. It just it doesn't make sense. What they're doing is like they're just trying to lose but not develop anyone. Like, and, and they're not doing it like the process Sixers back in the day. Well, and I'm already, I'm already expecting in, in Detroit you're going to have a lot of issues with minute restrictions. I mean, who are you going to play and who are you not? There's so many guys who could possibly play, possibly not. I mean, the guys are – there's not really anybody on the team that's, like, so far ahead of another one. Right. You know, they're all so close together. How do you, how do you make them fit? It would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just don't know. They're one of the most – they're the least interesting team, I think, in the NBA to watch. I'm not – if I – if there's a Detroit Pistons game on for whatever reason, I'm not going to watch it. I just don't want to watch that team. It feels boring. There's no intrigue. There's no prospects that I'm like, ooh, let me watch that. No. I mean, let's, let's move on to talking about it. Like, it's just depressing. So a team that we've talked about in other podcasts before who we both really like is the New Orleans Pelicans. And for me, um, the key to success for this team is getting guys who can run the floor and do that type of thing, run fast breaks, get Lonzo and Zion out in transition, get Jackson Hayes, get those guys activated. This move really does not sit well with me in in picking up Steven Adams in this deal. I don't know how Steven Adams fits on this roster. It slows down their pace of play. You're going to have more half-court sets than they've ever had before, which is 
not good for a young team. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to run half court sets. Um, and then when you look at when you look at what the Pelicans are trying to do when when you bring in Bledsoe, who who has the keys at the point guard spot? Are you still playing Lonzo or, or are we moving on to Bledsoe? Because I don't think Bledsoe is going to want to come off the bench. And if he does, he's going to want to play twenty five minutes. You know, so there's a lot of questions for New Orleans. It's just their style, and, and kind of like Detroit, the style does not match up with who's currently on the roster. Yeah, I mean, it clearly says to me that they don't believe in Jackson Hayes, which I think is a mistake, and we are both very high on Jackson Hayes. I mean, they were going to lose Derek Favors. That's fine. Uh, but then if you're not going to get Jackson Hayes, get a shooter. Go trade for Miles Turner. Do something. Right, you lose, you lose J.J. Reddick. They have no shooting on this team which you need when you have Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, guys that try to, they, their goal, yeah, they can shoot a little bit, but their goal is to get in the paint. You don't want Zion Williamson to space out because here's the thing when you get Steven Adams. He doesn't give you any offensive flexibility. He cannot step out and shoot at all. He has to be on the block. He has to be on the baseline. Where does Zion go then? Does Zion space the floor? I don't want Zion spacing the floor for me. And it's not like Steven Adams is this elite rim runner who can elevate for lobs because then you get vertical spacing with that, like with Jackson Hayes, who could do that and actually has shown some good touch in the past from outside. I think Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe will help their defense, which was very bad last year. But I think their offense is going to take a huge step back because you lose Drew Holiday, which we all knew was a possibility. I didn't want them to do that, but I knew it was going to happen. I was like, okay, what are you going to pivot to? What are you going to do? Well, and I don't, I, I hate to be the guy to speculate things, but I think this really has to raise a question about Zion Williamson's health. Is this move related to that? Because as far as I'm concerned, Zion's going to run that five in the, in the starting lineup. You know, that's what they did last year until he went down. So, you know, you really have to raise a question there. Is Zion, is his body ready and is he healthy? Because if he's not, that could be a Steven Adams thing too. I think it could be a COVID thing. Like, maybe you're getting the reinforcements, but Stephen Adams is making so much money for multiple years. He's a good locker room guy. Everyone who plays with him likes him, so that's a positive. He's not a bad player. I think their defense is going to get a lot better. And maybe that was a big focus for him. Their culture could be better, too. But I think they're going to try to lose. I think they're trying to go one more year where they're not that good, and they might be trying to get another player in the next year's draft, who, which looks loaded. Well, and unless Zion or Ingram, and I've stated this before, unless one of those two guys plays at almost an MVP caliber level, they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, the West has gotten better around them, and they really haven't made any significant upgrades. At best, they move. They made lateral moves. Right. At worst, they have completely... There's no fit on this roster. Their starting lineup's probably going to be Bledsoe, Lonzo, Ingram, Zion, and Steven Adams. On paper, that looks like a really good defensive team. But defense isn't what wins in the NBA anymore. It's shooting. Who's the best shooter out of that five? It's Steven Adams. It's no, sorry. It's Brandon Ingram. But I don't want Brandon Ingram spacing the floor. I want Brandon Ingram with a ball in his hands creating. I, I, and I like when Ingram goes to the hoop, too. A long guy, lengthy finisher. He's good at that kind of stuff. So, okay, then who's spacing the floor for Brandon Ingram, though? Bledsoe is a streaky shooter at best. Alonzo is a streaky shooter at best. Zion had one game where he was hitting threes. 
he doesn't and I don't want Zion shooting threes. I want Zion in the paint, in the post. That's where I want Zion. But he's not gonna be able to do that with Steven Adams there. Well, and then you go look at the bench. This is kind of just the start of things. You really don't have a number two guard off the bench to really say, Oh, I trust you. I don't trust Frank Jackson. And I don't trust Alexander Walker either. So they did draft Kira Lewis in the draft out of Alabama, who really shot up draft boards. But are you really going to trust a thir- number thirteen pick to run your offense when their guys aren't on the court? And that's and that's kind of what I mean. There's not there's not like with Atlanta, you've got Chris Dunn and Rondo. Those guys are vets. With with New Orleans, you you've got a lot of guards, but they're just not guys you can fully put your full investment in. Yeah, they're young. Uh, let's move on a little bit. But I mean, th- let's be clear, Pelicans are still in a good spot because they have so much good, like, young talent. I just question they may have they may have a kind of lost their flexibility with Bledsoe and Adams because their contracts, no one's going to want to trade for those. I mean, maybe someone trades for Steven Adams if they really believe they need a big. Yeah, you're exactly right. Those are, those are both two guys, and the Pelicans are going to have to ride out those contracts because, like you said, there's not going to be anyone on the market – oh, we want to trade for Bledsoe, or we want to trade for Steven Adams. That's not going to be a conversation this upcoming season. All right, let's move on to what uh, I believe. my This is the only team I'm going to talk about as far as bad offseason because we want to get to the preview stuff. But uh, the Charlotte Hornets. And up until free agency, the Charlotte Hornets, I thought, were one of the winners of the offseason. They got what, in both of our opinions, the best player in the draft, LaMelo Ball, highest upside, biggest name, all that stuff. Love watching him play. He's a great player. He's going to make a lot of guys around him better. They made one move. And everyone who's listening, who follows the basketball closely, knows what I'm talking about. How in the bleep, 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 do you give Gordon Hayward $120 million over four years? And to be perfectly clear, I will never, ever, ever criticize an athlete for signing a contract that someone offers him, ever. Get the bag, get your money. Don't care what anyone else thinks. But how Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak, who by the way, Mitch Kupchak needs to get out of the NBA. He's a terrible GM. He's 10 years behind the times. Gordon Hayward is not worth that much money. Gordon Hayward is injury prone. Gordon Hayward, when he plays, was a borderline starter for a good team. I feel for the guy. He's a good player. He was a great player before the injuries hit. He's not the same anymore. He's a name. He's a former all-star. I just don't feel like this is a good move. The only way this is a good move, again, the money is not the issue. The per-year money is not the issue. It's the length of the contract. Give him a two-year deal worth $60 million. Okay, fine. You're in the hole for two years. That's not a long time in the NBA. $30 million over four years. It's a very interesting move with Gordon Hayward because we really haven't heard, you know, specifically from Charlotte, we have not heard what their direction is looking like. They don't know what they're going to do with the guard tandems yet. They, they really haven't figured it out. So in my opinion, if you're giving this much money to Gordon Hayward, there's got to be some kind of feeling within the organization that, okay, maybe we're trying to win now. And we really, you know, and if that's what they're thinking, then they might want to go back a little bit. Because in the reality, unless they feel like they have some kind of all-star rookie in LaMelo, which we think, he, we think he'll be good, but I don't think he'll be all-star caliber first year in. 
unless they have that, Gordon Hayward's not helping them make a run. And so that's where that's where I kind of draw the line. If they think they're win now, if that's what they're thinking, then the money for Hayward's kind of like, okay, we'll take that and we'll ride with it. But if they're not thinking win now, I don't understand where this money is and why it's being dealt to Gordon Hayward for that many years. Even if they're thinking win now, you're going to get an eight seed at best. Right, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, the worst place to be in the NBA, and we could do a whole podcast on this, but the worst place to be in the NBA is in the middle. And that's where Michael Jordan apparently loves to be. He loves to be in the middle. Why? Tank. Tank, tank, tank. Maintain flexibility. Keep cap space. Develop your young players. Let LaMelo shoot 25 times a game and pat and rack up the assists and turnovers. Who cares? Give him the keys. Draft well. Next year, they have like Cade Cunningham, BJ Boston, all these guys coming in. For God's sakes, just tank Michael Jordan. Do not give this money to Gordon Hayward. Because while he's not a great player, he's good enough to probably get this team to 30 wins. Which is, you know what's going to get you? The 11th spot in the draft. It's the worst. Yeah, and I love how you talk about the middle section of the NBA. Because it's like you said, this is a spot where you can't really win anything. And, and then, just like you said before, you can't really draft anything to change either. So you're kind of stuck. And, and Detroit has been in that set. And we talked about them earlier. They've been in that spot for the longest time. It, you have to question, are they going to get out of it? Now you kind of have to question, is Charlotte ever going to get out of that spot? Charlotte's been trying to do this for years now. And they finally did the right thing last year. They tanked it. They should have. But now you have guys like Terry Rozier under contract for a long time. Uh, obviously Gordon Hayward under contract for a long time. They still have Cody Zeller chilling around there. I think Miles Bridges is a guy they held on to. Miles Bridges, who's to his credit, still young, but it's not like he's going to get much better. What are we doing here? What's going on? Like, you got LaMelo, you're going to surround him with NBA qual- like NBA caliber talent, so they'll create some highlights, they'll win some games. Melo will get some Rookie of the Year conversation. But what is it leading to, is my big question. Is it worth it? to get the eight seed, to cap out your team and get the eight seed. They're not getting anyone in free agency. Like, I don't get it. I don't. Well, and, and I, I like how you say that. Uh, on another note, what they're going to have to figure out is I don't necessarily like how Cody Zeller fits in either. Because with LaMelo Ball and, and Miles Bridges and Washington and, and Graham, these are guys who are going to want to push the floor. That's the way the game is now. Push, push, push. And Cody Zeller... Yeah, he's a decent big man, but he's not pushing the floor. He's not beating anybody to a spot. These are things you have to think about. Like you said with Mitch Kupchak, they've got to figure things out soon. All right, let's move on to – let's move past the offseason. Let's go with a little bit of the season preview. But before we do, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, the reason we didn't talk about Houston too much, they just recently traded for John Wall. That whole situation hinges on if Harden's there or not. We still don't know. As of recording, he is still there. Uh, but honorable mention to Houston – they got Christian Wood, a lot of high upside signings like Boogie Cousins, John Wall. We'll see. It's a wait and see. They could be either a lot better than they were last year, or they could not be out. They could be out of the playoffs depending on where Harden goes. We'll see. Um, but other than that, let's move on to the season preview, the 2020-2021 season. Basketball is a couple weeks from being back. Uh, you got 
all these teams that have gotten better, a lot of teams that have gotten worse. Um, let's this quick question, Caleb. Who do you have coming out of both conferences? Like to, like number one seed in both conference, they're making the finals. Who do you think? Who do you think is making the finals out of the West and the East? So I think the Lakers will come out of the West again, and and, and like I said with those moves, they really got younger and upgraded. When you can do those two things and you're the defending champs, you've got a really good chance to go back. And I think out of the East, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think this is the year that the Boston Celtics come out of the East. I think this is their year. I think I think the Bucks. the thing with the Bucks, Drew Holiday, solid pickup. I think Jason Tatum, well, is this third or fourth year now for him? It's about fourth year, yeah. Fourth year for Jason Tatum, this is the time. And this is the time where Kawhi in San Antonio about that third or fourth year, that's when he started having the best impact. And I think Jason Tatum's in kind of the same situation, except he's even better. I think he's a much better player than Kawhi was at that point. Jason Tatum and the Celtics, I have them coming out of the East no matter what seed they get. That, I, that is so – because I think we're in agreement with the Lakers. It's their West to lose. But the Celtics coming out of the East, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Jason Tatum, because he has the experience now as the best guy on a playoff team. He has it under his belt. So now he's proven that he can perform in the playoffs. He's proven that over his career. Now there's no pressure on him. He's been an all-star. He's been an all-NBA guy. He's there. He's just going to go. He's just going to average. He could average 28 a game. The issue is he's probably not going to do that because you have so many mouths to feed on that team, but there is no more Gordon Hayward. I bet you Kemba Walker takes a step back and as more of a facilitator. Jalen Brown's probably going to get you 20. Jason Tatum might make some MVP talk this year. If they get like the number one seed, make a run. MV- maybe. I mean, I don't know. He could take that next leap. It's a great pick. My two teams, Lakers in the West... I just don't see any, let's just touch on that a little bit. I don't see there's any team in the West that's that even, even that close. I think the Clippers got worse. I think the Nuggets stayed about the same. I th- they lost Jeremy Grant, though. That's a big loss. And they still left Powell. So, like, who's, you know, Jeremy Grant was huge for him. Uh, it did, OKC fell off the cliff. Um, I, as of right now, Houston is a maybe. Uh, Portland might be the second best team in that conference. And they were the eighth seed last year. You know, I just don't see... There's a lot of middle teams in the West. There's not that second right now. If you had to force me, I'd probably see the Clippers just because they still have that star power. And Serge Ibaka, I think, is a really underrated signing for him. He's, like, perfect for what they want to do. And I also think... And this hurts me to say I don't like the Clippers, but I think they're going to be better because they are humbled a little bit. I think this Clippers team, and I've stated it before, I don't think they're better than the Lakers, especially with what the Lakers were able to do in the offseason. The Los Angeles Clippers are going to be hungry. And we're not just talking about hungry as in we want to win. We're talking hungry as in from the top down. Steve Ballmer, Ty Lue, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, these guys are hungry. I don't even want to know what Paul George is thinking up in his head from, from the performance he had in the playoffs last year, he's going to want to come out and prove some people wrong. He better. Paul George is the X factor. He better want to because he has laid an egg consistently in the playoffs for years now. He has to have some pride. If they're going to go anywhere, because we know Kawhi is probably not going to have another game seven like he did. We'll give Kawhi the benefit of the doubt this one time. 
this guy has been he's led the team to a team to the finals on his back. He's good. Paul George needs to prove it. And if they, if I'm Paul George, I don't say anything in front of the team. I don't try to be the leader. I lead by example. I go in and I'm in the gym. I'm working out. I'm just put, letting my play do the talking. Gain your teammates respect back. I don't think he has it, a lot of them. I think that's why Montrez Harrell left, probably, for less money to go to the Lakers. I think a big reason why Montrez Harrell went to the Lakers was to get back at the Clippers. Because I guarantee you he was one of those guys that wasn't satisfied with Paul George. Well, and, and this is kind of a smaller note, you know, with the Clippers. But, but one thing I think they really missed is just a knockdown, go-ahead, three-point shooter guy. And Landry Shamit, who they, who they previously had, was hurt in the playoffs last year. And you could really see the effect. They were missing that guy who could defend and shoot threes and, and all those things. And then they traded him. Then they traded him. And now look where he's at. I think, didn't he Brooklyn. go to Brooklyn? Yeah. So these are all things that the Clippers are going to have to figure out. Mm-hmm. I think they're missing a couple things. And then we're also hearing that maybe Lou Williams is on the outs. So these are things that the Clippers got to work out. But I do like what you said. I do think they are the second best team in the West. Just from top-end talent. And they did pick up Luke Kennard, who could be that knockdown shooter and can also create a little bit. Uh, my question with them will always be, who's guarding Anthony Davis? Which you could say Serge Ibaka now, but Serge Ibaka, again, is not the defender he used to be. But he's a good locker room guy, shooter, all that good stuff. I think they're better than they were last year. I just think the Lakers are way better than they were. And they won the title. Um, so moving on to the East, though. You said Boston. I say... I'm going to regret this. I might regret this. I think the Sixers come out. I think the Sixers, I think Doc Rivers fully unlocks Embiid. I think Ben Simmons is a defensive player of the year candidate, and he finally starts. And and instead of focusing on Doc Rivers, I think his big thing will be with Simmons, unless they trade him, which I don't think they're going to do yet. I think he's going to say, I want to talk about what he can do well. I want to empower him to do what he can do. Run the break. They're going to be a fast-paced offense, and when they can't get it on the break, they're going to dump it to Embiid inside. I think that's what they're going to do, and their defense is going to be good, and, like, and, it's going to be, and Embiid's going to be locked in. I think Embiid's going to be MVP candidate. I think Embiid's going to be all-NBA first team again. I think he's going to be an all-star, and Simmons will fully embrace that number two option as their best defensive player, but also a guy that can give you almost 18 a game. And they got Seth Curry, like we said, and they have Tobias Harris, who I think is going to bounce back. I am drinking the Sixers Kool-Aid. I think it's going to be a Lakers-Sixers finals, the, and it's going to be really interesting. It's really cool that you say that because I like the Sixers a lot. I'm just one step behind you. I think, the, I think the Sixers get to the conference finals, but if they meet up with Boston there, I think that's where things could really fall apart just because Boston has done so well against them in the past. Uh, we can talk a little about the Miami Heat, who made it all the way. The one thing Miami doesn't have this year is the element of surprise. Teams are going to be ready for him. Teams are going to give Miami their best shot. And, I mean, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that. I just don't think they... I think they're still going to be very good. I think they'll probably start out really fast because they have that continuity and they've had... They're still, like, probably in pretty good shape. Uh, But I think teams like Philly and Boston and the Bucks are probably going to get on top of them a little bit more. I don't want to label the Heat as this team, but... Last year, I really felt like, you know... Was fluky? Yeah, and I really felt like, you know, Miami's thing was mainly due to the bubble. They outcoached 
and, and Eric Spolster, we watched. They outcoached every team they played in the playoffs last year. Now, they can do that again, but it's like we've already said in this podcast. There's teams in the East that have gotten a lot better since last year, and I don't think, like you said, the element of surprise, Miami doesn't have that anymore, and teams are going to be looking out to get them. One, and also say, uh, Milwaukee. I think we got to spend a little bit on Milwaukee, man. We mentioned it briefly. They were so close to getting Bojan Bogdan Bogdanovich. So close. Didn't get him. You're, the owner, the general manager has shown that he's not up to snuff. You got Drew Holiday. It's a great signing. You gave up a haul to get him. And, and sadly, I, I don't think it's enough for Milwaukee to get to the finals. I don't think Drew Holiday is their answer. George Hill was a, was a decent defender, shot the three well. That wasn't enough. Drew Holiday's, I mean, he's an upgrade from that, but he's not a significant upgrade from that. You need, I think Drew Holiday is probably the best, most underrated guard in the NBA. But there's a reason he's underrated. You know, like if he was that good, he'd be making all-star games and stuff. He was in the West. Maybe he breaks out this year. And you have a really good top three. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. That's great. But where's your bench? You know, where's... Is Brooke Lopez going to have a bounce-back season? But he's getting older. Uh, Mike Budenholzer. Hey, Mike Budenholzer, are you going to play your guys more than 34 minutes a game in the playoffs? Yeah, he's like, oh, we, or what if it was Giannis playing like 30 minutes a game or something stupid like that? No, I can't adjust my rotation. What? Take minutes away from whoever the... Whatever. Like I really felt like, and like we said, Drew Holiday... It's a great pickup, but I feel like the pickup that they really should have tried to go for, especially in the trade market, was Zach Levine. Now, I I don't even know if he was on the market, but I think Zach Levine in Milwaukee, I think that would have really put them over the top, more so than Drew Holiday, because Drew Holiday is a good player, but he's not the scorer that Zach Levine is. Zach Levine and Giannis, that is an athletic two guys right there. They could have made some big noise, more so than Drew Holiday and Giannis. And there was some rumors that he was on the market. Um, I, my thing with Giannis is I think teams have figured him out to an extent in the playoffs. I don't think, unless he drastically improves his shot. I mean, like, you saw what Miami did to him. You saw what good teams can do to him. To game plan around him. They're going to do the same thing. Right, and you almost kind of feel like the regular season's like, okay, we'll let Giannis do his thing. But then when the playoffs come around, oh, we'll just we'll put everybody down low and we'll make sure you get your money's worth down there. The playoffs are such a different animal than the regular season. When you see Giannis in the regular season, you could be coming off a back-to-back. You'd be coming off a four games and five nights type situation. And you could be like, okay, He's going to drop 30 and 15 on us because we're just not ready for his length and athleticism. But when you have a seven-game series where there's days off between every game and your coach has that long to game plan against you and you, and you aren't a good enough, you don't have a varied offensive game. It's just Giannis, he wants to get to the basket. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't have a pull-up jumper. Doesn't he really even have a spot-up jumper. He's a guy that once he puts the ball on the ground... His only objective is to get to the paint because that's the only thing he can do. He's not a great foul shooter either, and, and, and I don't think he's as good as a foul shooter as LeBron is. Mm-hmm. And so these are all things you have to take into account with Giannis. He's a great player. We're not denying that, but there's so many kinks and little things he's got to figure out to get him to that prime level. And teams are gonna, and the media too is going to start turning on Giannis. 
they're going to start being like, okay, you've because he has failed two straight years down the playoffs. He got hurt, but he was down 3-0 when he got hurt. Well, and now we're looking at a guy who's won back-to-back MVPs. I mean, we have to think he's going to be in the running for a third straight. But I mean, come on! I don't think he's gonna get it. I don't. Th- I don't think so either. After what happened last year, but Giannis is an interesting guy. I like the fact that he is committed to Milwaukee. As far as we know, I think that's a good for him. It's a little shaky here and there, like depending on who you want to read and who you want to believe. But I do like how so far Giannis has stayed committed to Milwaukee. There's one more thing I want to touch on, and that's the Washington Wizards. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal teaming up. This is going to be interesting. And let's not forget, they have a third score. Davis Bertans. This guy's going to give you maybe 20. He can really shoot the three ball. I mean, that's a great, great team. I think they're going to be the best, probably the number one offense in the NBA and the worst defense. But they'll get an eight seed, and they'll probably win a few games against the one seed simply because if you score enough points, you're going to win some games. And Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal is a really cool tandem, I think. Um, I think Russell Westbrook's really on the downswing, though, as far as he's not a he's not a bad player, but I think people are finally starting to realize what he actually is, which is not a championship level point guard. He's like he's a he's good. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. He's going to get all these numbers, crazy numbers. And Washington's going to have something to really get behind now. He's going to feed into the energy and the and the stadium's going to be packed when they can be packed again. Um, Yeah, I mean, Washington. Yeah, not to mention those Washington fans, they are some diehards, and I, I, I guarantee they're really going to appreciate Russell Westbrook's commitment to, to teams and, and what he really brings to the table. An interesting matchup that Washington may have if Harden stays in Houston. You'd have Wall and Harden versus Westbrook and Beal. Cool. That would be a cool matchup. I'm intrigued to see that one for sure. Hopefully it happens. All right, so for the last 10 minutes or so, we're going to have like a fun little fun thing. Um, I'm going to list awards, and we're going to get Caleb's predictions for awards. I'm not going to give mine. Caleb's going to give his. And we're probably going to make this uh, annual thing when the NBA season comes on when we're going to write them down. So I got Caleb. All right, Caleb, who is your pick for the Most Improved Player Award this year? Most Improved Player? I'm going to say Josh Richardson in Dallas. Woo! Uh, I think... I think coming out of some down years in Philly, I really liked him in Miami, and I think he kind of has a resurgence with that team. You have to remember, I don't think Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to play near as much on this Dallas team, especially with the acquisition of Josh Richardson. I really like what Luka can do with Josh Richardson, and that's going to really elevate his game, not only on the defensive end, but also the offensive end. I think Josh Richardson gets a lot more shot attempts in Dallas. All right, that's very interesting. I th- I do think he is. He in Miami, he showed the ability to run the pick and roll and really kind of be a good guard for you, a secondary scorer, a secondary ball handler, take some pressure off Luca, be a good defender. It's an interesting pick. I like that it's kind of out of the blue too. I think if Josh Richardson, if he can hit 15 or 16 points a game, he's going to be in the running for most improved player. I I and especially if they're good. All right. All right. Coach of the year. Ooh, this is a tough choice. Um, I want to say Stan Van Gundy. Okay. I really do. So, and the, the Right, and the only reason why is because, I, I'm going to go off of this. If he figures out how to manage Zion, if he does that properly, which all the other coaches have failed to do so far in New Orleans, 
If Stan Van Gundy figures out that and say he puts the Pelicans above the eight seed in the West, yes, he's definitely. Okay, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. I'm gonna go with Giannis again. Really? Yes. Why? He and and this is just this is the reality of the situation. With the point guards in the league right now, and at his size and his ability, he's the only guy at that height who's that quick that can actually shut down other opposing guards. He's proven it. He's won the award before, I believe. He won it last year. I think he's going to do it again. Okay. Not a bad pick. That's that's one of your safer ones, I would assume. All right. Rookie of the year. I'm going to go ahead and say LaMelo Ball. Okay. I think he's going to get the most shot attempts out of any rookie in this class. And I really feel like the hype around him is just going to flourish around the league. LaMelo Ball and Charlotte, everybody is going to be watching the Charlotte Hornets. Whether you like them or not, they're going to be on a lot of primetime evenings. Expect to see a lot of Charlotte when you didn't see them before. MVP. Luka Doncic. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I like that pick, though. That would be mine, too. And I think all the fans see it, but the league recognizes it as well. There's a reason. The Lakers and Mavericks are playing primetime on Christmas. There's a reason for that. The league understands what Luka Doncic has done in these last two seasons is unprecedented. Frankly, has never been done before. And when you put this guy on the pedestal, how old is he now? 20? 21. 21 now. You're looking ahead and you're saying, well, who's the future star? Or who's going to be in the running for MVP? Who's going to be the new guy in the running? It's going to be Luka Doncic. So you already said you got Lakers and Celtics coming out, a classic finals. Who wins how many games? Lakers and five. Okay. I like that. So LeBron gets ring five at the end of the day. I just think with with what that team has and and what they were able to do in the offseason and get younger while doing it, it's a no-brainer for me. I'm not a huge fan of the Lakers, so it's tough for me to have them at that spot, but I just don't see anybody, like you said, who's even close to them in the West. I like how decisive you were with that. I like how you took some risks with some of them. We'll come back to that next year. Or maybe even at some point this season if all of them start to go just bad. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that is it for this episode of the Two Man Break podcast. Uh, looking forward to a really, hopefully, a really exciting NBA season. And hopefully it can, it can continue with how much, like the 70 full 72 games with all the COVID stuff. But uh, I'm Sam Diebler. That's Caleb Woodson. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Woodson Caleb, at Sam Diebler, um, and for all of us at Excalibur Studios and the Two Men Break Podcast, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.